And the subject that I want to talk about today is something that we're all taught is the fundamental cornerstone of Sikhi, and that is Naam. What is Naam? If you ask anyone, ultimately, what is the number one teaching of Sikhi? If you say, what do you Sikhs do? You say, we do Naam Simran. That's what we do. We do Kirtan, we do Simran. That's ultimately what we do. So we know that it's a very important message. Even if you open Sri Guru Granth Sahib Ji, the first message is Ikkunkar, the second message is Naam, Sat Naam. So it's the second thing that we're told about. Yesterday I had an opportunity at South Shields to talk about the meaning of Ik. So today I'd like to look at the idea of Naam and what does it mean. When we talk about Naam Simran, I would say that to some of us it feels like quite an abstract idea, like quite a foreign concept. That we don't really know how this works, we don't know what it does. It seems too simple. Naam Simran Karo Vaigru Vaigru Japi Jao and it just works somehow. And because we haven't connected with the idea of Naam, then we don't necessarily know how it's supposed to work for us. So let's think about it on the most basic level first. And I think it's really important that we look at Naam in this way. If we think about it, what is a name? What is name? If you ever meet someone, what's the first thing you ever learn about that person? You learn their name. So if we were to take a very simple understanding of Naam, we would say Naam is the first thing that you need in order to know something. If I brought a new product out that nobody had ever seen before, if I showed you a fruit that you'd never seen before, what's the first question you're going to ask me? What do you call that fruit? What's the name of that fruit? Maybe I've heard of it before. That's the first thing. So in our minds, the first thing that you need to know when you want to find out about something is you want to know the name of it. And this is what Guru does as well. Guru starts Ikkunkar Satnam. So Guru says there is this thing called Ik, there's this oneness, and if you want to know it, here is the name. Let's talk about its name. Now, if you think about the word Sat, and you think about all the translations in all of the English Gutkas, it starts, Ikkunkar, there is one God, his name is true. Satnam, his name is true. Now, to me, I've always struggled with that because I don't understand what it means. What do you mean his name is true? Or what do you mean his name is truth? What does that line actually mean? It's quite a confusing thing to say. Like if I say this is a chair and the name of the chair is true, it won't make any sense. If this is a table and the table is its true name, it doesn't really make any sense. So Satnam has to mean something more than his name is true. If we look at Sanskrit, the word Sat actually has two meanings. One of them, which is what we tend to use most regularly in the translations, is the Sanskrit word Satya. Satya. You might even hear some Sanskrit um, mantras like Satyam Shivam Sundaram. Sat, satya, that's where that word comes. And it means truth. But what does truth mean? What do we mean by truth? Does truth just mean the opposite of false? So, uh, one way that we can look at the word sat, true, means if something is true, it is always true. So, in another way, we can say the word sat means unchanging, something that never changes. And now we're starting to get a better idea of what does the word truth mean, something that never changes. But there's another use of the word sat in Sanskrit, and that's one that we don't get talked about very often. And that's the word sat means existence. That which exists. Something that always has existed, exists now and will exist in the future. Existence. 
When we say Satnam, we mean both of those, which is why in the English translations you get Sat means true, his name is true. But I find that the word existence is a little bit closer to what the meaning of Sat really is. Existence means everything that exists is Naam. Let me say that again. Everything that exists is Naam. What that means is that the planet exists, the earth exists, the sky exists, the birds exist, the animals, the trees, the plants, all of the creation that exists is Naam. So Naam is now no longer restricted to a word. Naam transcends the word. Naam is more than just a word. But I can see that this might start getting a little bit confusing. So let me give you a simpler example of how we can negotiate between this idea of existence and the idea of truth. Science is always seeking truths. If you go to a scientist, they're always looking for something that is always true. So they will say gravity is true. Gravity has always existed and gravity will always exist. Gravity is true, it's not going to change. The moon is true, it's always there. So science is always looking for something that is always going to be there and always will be there. Now art on the other side is not interested in truth. Art is interested in emotion, in feeling. Science doesn't really understand feelings, it doesn't really care too much about feelings. So the difference between truth and existence is like the difference between science and art. Science says, this is black, this is white. Art says, I don't see black and white. I see a whole array of color options that I can play with. So that's a way to understand the difference between truth and existence. Something that is never changing, that is truth. But existence is something that is varied, it's, it's always changing, it's always evolving. So if we take this example that satana means existence is truth, you know what that means? It means everything that exists is its Naam. So everything that has been and everything that is, everything that exists and everything that doesn't exist is Naam. And what that starts to do is that we now start seeing God in a completely different light. God now isn't something sitting up there. God is now everywhere. God is now something that is in everything. We talk about Sargon and Nirgun, the form and the formless. So if you want to connect with Naam, what we've been doing so far with Naam is we've been saying Naam is for Mr. God, who's that man with the white beard who sits in the clouds. And when we do Naam Simran, we do Naam Simran to him like we're calling him. We keep trying to call God who's somewhere far away sitting in the clouds. But Guru Sahib is giving us a different example of Naam, a different way of understanding the name of God. What Guruji is saying is if you want to see God, just look all around you. If you want to see God, look all around you. So Naam is known by its existence. Everything that exists is now Naam. So when I'm looking around, I should not be seeing individuals, I should be seeing Naam. This is God, this is God, this is God, this is God. And not just all that exists is God, but another part of cre creation, another part of existence, is the constant evolution of existence. It's constantly moving. The world isn't standing still. People aren't standing still. It's constantly moving. So the constant process of creation is also Naam. That means that everything that is happening is also Naam. So the wind that is blowing, that is Naam. This conversation that is happening, that is Naam. People walking, people talking, people happy, people sad, that is all Naam. Naam is the constant moving of the universe.
If you look at Gurbani, so many times there'll be shabas about Naam and then Guruji will just throw in the word Hukam as well. And you say, hold on, we were talking about Naam, where's Hukam come into it? And what we've done is we've alienated these concepts. We've made them all look like they're different from each other. But when we look at Sat Naam, that everything is Naam, then we understand that Hukam is also Naam. Gurbani uses Hukam and Naam interchangeably. So everything that is happening is Naam. So what that means is right here, right now, in this room, there is Naam. Naam isn't just something that you say. Naam is something that's here right now. In this room, there's Naam. If there are people in this room, if there is air in this room, if there is anything here, that that something, rather than calling it people and plants and flowers and objects, we say that all of these are variations of Naam. Naam is in this room right now. And Naam is a very beautiful word because Naam implies a sound. Naam is almost a song. So we can say that the song of the universe, the universe singing, is Naam. Everything that is happening in the universe, we start to now see it like a song, like something that's playing. You know, Gurbani talks about this Anhadavajya, like this music that's playing all the time, that's Naam. You know, we sing Anand Sahib all the time, and it talks about Panch Shabad, and it talks about this whole music and melody that's happening. That is Naam. Naam is the melody of the universe. So when the birds are singing outside, we don't say the birds are singing, we say that's Naam. That's the song of Waheguru. Waheguru is singing right now. And a child laughing, that's Naam. And a baby crying, that's Naam. And any two people talking to each other, that's Naam. As the wind is blowing, the, the leaves on the trees start rustling, you can hear Naam. All of that is Naam. So do you see how Naam is now no longer something that you have to do? Naam is something that's going on whether you like it or not. Naam is happening all the time, but we just don't know it, we don't see it like that. And Gurbani goes one step even further. Gurbani says that the whole world is created because of Naam and the whole universe exists by Naam. In Sukhmani Sahib, Guru Sahib says, Naam ke tare sagle jant, Naam ke tare khand brahmand. Because of Naam, all of creation exists. Because of Naam, all the planets and the solar systems exist. So the revolving of the planets is Naam. Naam is not just something that you do sitting at home or sitting in the Gurdwara, sitting in Sangat or sitting in the privacy of your own home. Naam is something that is happening, but Guru Sahib has given us Naam to connect with that Naam that's already happening. Does that make sense? Naam is already happening, but Guru has given you a mantar, Guru has given you Naam, so that you can see everything that's happening as Naam. You have to learn to see everything as Naam. In Japji Sahib, Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, Gave tuhno paun paani baisantar. Pavan paani and baisantar. The wind blowing is singing your name. The water flowing is singing your name. Fire burning is singing your name. But because we read Japji Sahib so quickly every day, we don't stop to think, what is the meaning of this? How can fire be singing? How can the wind be singing? This is what Naam means, it's the singing of the universe. But more interestingly, when you start seeing Naam in this way, then you realize that the oneness, Waheguru, God, Paramatma, whatever you want to call it, doesn't actually have a fixed name. It doesn't have one fixed name. The oneness has no name, 
But we can also say everything is its name. Everything is the name of God and everything is singing God's name. Now this is why Guru Granth Sahib Ji uses so many different names for God. Look at any ang of Guru Granth Sahib Ji and you'll get a hundred different names for God. Har Har, Tuhi Tuhi, Ram Ram. In Gurbani, Kabir Ji even says, Kabir Allah ki karbandagi. Do Allah. Allah is also a name of, of God. Because anything that allows you to see the naam that's happening anywhere, that mantra can be used. So, God doesn't have a name. That's something first that we have to understand. God doesn't have a name. But because God doesn't have a name, Guru has given so many names because all the names apply. Param Atma. Niranjan, Nirankar, all of these are different names. The reason they're all different names is because all of them are directions pointing in the same way. They're all pointers showing you this is what Naam is. Param Atma, that's not a name for God. That says the Supreme Soul. Par Brahm, that's not a name of God. These are all descriptions. These are all pointing in one direction and saying, you are looking this way, but you need to be looking this way. This is what Naam does for us. It changes the way we think. Because the way we think is, I am here, you are there, I have to call God's name, and then when I run out of time, then I have to go to the rest of the world, do my kirtkamai, earn my money, live my life, and then on a Sunday I'll come back again and try again to call God's name. But Guru says that do... Naam Simran all the time. Whatever you're doing, make that your Naam Simran. But again, let's look at a simple example. I try to make the examples as simple as possible so that we can really understand this concept. Let's forget about God for a minute. Let's just think about in our own families. When you love someone, whether it's your husband, your wife, or your children, notice that you can call them by any name, but you still have the same love for them. If you're married to someone, you can call them my beloved, my darling, my sweet sugar. You can use any name for that other person, but it means the same thing. It doesn't change the other person just by you giving a different name. And we do the same for our children. We can give them any name, but the love that we have for that child doesn't change based on the word that we use. And in the same way, Naam has been given to us that we can choose a whole array of different words, whichever word works for you. If you come from a tradition where Ram is the best word for you, Guru Sahib says, say Ram Ram. Not a problem. If Allah is the best word for you, say Allah. And for the newer generation, if they think in English, give them an English mantra. Let them do Naam Simran in English, it's not a problem. Because Gurus have not restricted God, because God doesn't have a name. So you can give love to your beloved, to your partners, to your children, to your family members, regardless of what name you give them. But what you realize is no matter what name you give them, you're not calling them just by that name. You're calling them with the emotion of love. The love that you feel inside, that has no name. So let's take this example just a little bit further. Just think for a moment, the emotion that you feel for your closest family members, the ones that you love, the children, the, the babies in your life, or your very close partner, your husband or your wife. Just feel that emotion just for one minute. Now, let me say the word love. Does that word love come close to the feeling of love? Love is just a small four-letter word. 
But the word love, does that actually feel like the feeling of love? Or is the word love just a word? The word love, when somebody says to you, if you don't know what love is, just by saying the word love, you won't understand what love is. You have to know the feeling of love. When you know the feeling of love, then the word love makes sense. Naam has to also work in this way. You have to know the feeling of it, not just the word of it. Don't just assume that if I just take a word that it's going to have some magic power on me. There's a lot more that goes behind it. It's a lot more sophisticated than just repeating a mantra. So we're now talking about something that's a little bit intangible. It's not really a word. It's not really a name. And there are little clues as to how we can try and understand this. In Islam, they have 99 words for God. 99 different names for God. And in another way, we notice in Jaap Saib. In Jaap Saib, when you look at the whole of the Barney of Guru Gobind Singh Ji, the first Barney of Sri Dasam Granth Sahib Ji, the last verse ends at 199. If you've ever looked at the numbers, how many verses are there in Jaap Saib? There's 199 verses. Now you have to ask yourself this question, why does Guru Gobind Singh Ji write such a large Barney and why does he stop at 199? You'd think that most people would nicely round it off to 100. And in the same way, why does Islam only have 99 names for God? Why not 100? Because in that, Guru Gobind Singh Ji is giving you a little clue that there are 199 different ways that I can describe God and praise God, but there's one way that cannot be spoken. And that is Satnam. The real name of God is the one that can't be said. And let's look at Jaap Saib a little bit further. Guru Gobind Singh Ji actually tells us this at the beginning of Jaap Saib. He says right at the beginning, he says, Tav Sarva Naam Kathe Kavan. Who can describe all of your na names? Tav Sarva Naam, all of the names that you have, Kathe Kavan, who could say all of them? I can't say all of them. But what I can say is karmanam barnat sumat. That I can only describe your karam. I can only describe the actions that you do with the barnat sumat, with the sumat that you've been able to bless me with. I'm not actually able to say your name. So the beginning of Jaap Sahib says that these aren't the names of God. These are just descriptions of what God is. Guruji is actually telling us that. But why? At the end of that, he ends with one that's missing. Because there is a clue there that there is a Naam, which is the real Naam, the Naam that cannot be spoken. In Jaap Sahib, Guruji goes even further and he actually says, you are a Naamme. You are beyond Naam. There is actually no name for you. Guruji actually says that why Guru Paramatma is Aname. Guru confirms this, that you have no name. So we have to understand that all names point to the one silent name of God, the name that cannot be spoken. This is why it's called Akat Katha, the story that cannot be told, the description that cannot be described. Naam is a little bit more than just a mantra. It's something intangible. And let's think about the infinity of the universe. You know what they say about the universe? That if you were to leave planet Earth and just go in one direction, in any direction you pick, the universe would never stop. You just keep going and keep going and keep going. The universe is infinitely big. And our minds cannot even comprehend that if you go somewhere and there's planets and stars on either side of you, that that will never stop. You just keep going. That will never, 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 never stop. Our brains can't even comprehend something that big. So if just the planets and the solar system is infinite, if the universe is infinite, what name are you going to give infinity? Think about the infinity of the whole universe. What name can you give that? Whatever name you give it is going to be limited. Whatever name you give it is going to be 
insufficient to describe this. Because this is what the Gurus have said time and time again. Guru says, Tera Antanapaya, I can't describe you. I can't come to your limits. That everybody else has tried, but Ape Jani Aap. I don't, I don't know how to begin. But I'm not going to try and describe your limits. I'm not going to try and give an accurate description of you. Because your description cannot be described. This is the meaning of Satnam. Let's take the analogy of a drop of water in the ocean. How can the drop of water describe the ocean? Think about yourself as a single drop of water in an ocean. Or think about yourself as one grain of sand in the entire desert. What description can that individual grain of sand give of the desert? What can the drop of water say about the ocean? It just can't describe it. It's too small to be able to describe something so big. This is what Sat means. Something that is indescribable. But Sat means it's here, it's now. So, I want you all to do something. Just look to your left and look to your right. Just look all around you. All around you right now, this is Nam. Just take a moment to understand that. This moment right now is Nam. It's happening. Everything that your eyes can see is Nam. And this is what the Gurus have been trying to teach us. This is why he grew. 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 But you know what? It's quite difficult to talk about why he grew here, why he grew there, why he grew there. Because we don't feel like why he grew ourselves. We don't know how to understand this. We, we might be able to comprehend this idea in our brains. But like I said before, the word love doesn't express the, the emotion of love. And in the same way, conceptually, we can't just say, this is why I grew. And we say, Chalo, Tika, this is why I grew. Now leave me alone. I don't need to <laughs> learn anymore. We have to go further than that as well. And if existence is Nam, if the trees are Nam, if the birds are Nam, if the earth and the animals and the wind and the, the sky and the clouds and the sun and the moon, if all of that is Nam, all of existence, everything that exists is Nam, you have access to only one part of existence. So the question is, which part of existence do you have access to? Can you be a tree right now? Can you be water right now? Can you be a plant or an animal right now? You can't. But there's one thing that you can be, one part of the universe that you can be, and that is you. And if everything else is Nam, if everything else is the Nam of Paramatma, then you are also the Nam of Paramatma. You are also the creation of this oneness. You are also Nam. But we find concepts like this quite difficult to understand. So let's try and simplify it. We don't understand Nam because we think of Nam like a word, like a name of something. Yeah? We don't understand Nam. So let me try and make it a bit easier. If we think about water, if you're thirsty and you haven't drunk any water for a long time and you're really desperately thirsty, no matter how many different times I say the word water to you, that's not going to quench your thirst. And if I say the word water to you in Punjabi, in Hindi, in Arbi, Farsi, in French, in German, Spanish, I give you all the different names of water, none of those is going to help. There's only one thing that's actually going to help, that's drinking water. In the same way, we shouldn't treat Nam like a word. Nam is not a word. Nam is not just saying God enough times that some, something's going to happen, some magic is going to happen.
Naam is like drinking water. Like when you breathe in, you're breathing in Naam. You're not breathing in air. When you breathe out, you're breathing out Naam. When you're talking to people, Naam is talking to Naam. When you're listening to something, you're hearing Naam. The thing that you're listening to is Naam and the one inside you that's listening is also Naam. That's when you start living, breathing and walking Naam. And this Naam Simran has to happen all the time. This Naam Simran isn't something that you do for five minutes or five hours sitting down quietly. Naam has to be as you're walking, as you're talking, as you're working, as you're sleeping. All the time Naam has to be going on. Not because you have to say the mantar Naam. It's because you have to feel everything around you is Naam. You have to see everything as Naam. What we do is we see everything as the world and we try and forget the world. We say the world is distracting me and I have to remember God. So I'm going to say God, God, don't. And, oh look there's something shiny. Oh I can't do that. Okay God, God, God. Okay my mum's calling me. Hanji mum. Okay, I forgot God. Okay, God, God. So what we do is we're trying to battle. with Our Naam Simran is a constant battle between keeping awareness of the world around us and trying to remember Mr. God. But Guruji doesn't want you to do that. Guruji wants you to see God and say God's name in everything. So if you're chopping a carrot, that carrot is Naam. The sound of chopping the carrots is Naam. If you're cooking if you're hoovering, if you're walking, if you're singing a song in your head, all of that should just be constant Naam going on all the time. You have to see everything as Naam, then Naam becomes a part of your life. Naam isn't something that you do. Because Naam isn't just a word. Naam is just not one word of God. Naam is Sat. Sat is Naam. Everything that exists is Naam. That is the meaning of Sat Naam. So it means that you are Naam, but the problem is that we've just forgotten that we are Naam. This is why the Guru gives us a mantra. Guru says that in your mind, you're doing Naam Simran all the time. But the Simran that you're doing all the time is of the world. So when you wake up in the morning, what do you do? I have to go to work, I have to go to work, I have to go to work. I need to do the ironing, I need to pack the kids' lunch boxes, I need to do this, I need to do that. And that person called me yesterday, I need to call them back. Do you notice that your mind is actually doing Simran all the time? It's always got some mantar going on. Guru Sahib says, that is the mind constantly keeping you distracted. But we have to just switch that. So that's why Guru gives us a mantar and says, use this. Use a word like you're saying Tuhi, Tuhi, Tuhi. You have to say the name all the time. So we are part of Naam. We are in Naam. And we are Naam. So we don't have to just think of Naam like the word water. Water, water, water. Just by saying water, your, your thirst is not going to go away. It's something that's just there all around all the time. So what we're doing when we're saying Naam, when we're saying God's name, is right now we're saying this is God, this is God, this is God, this is God. Everything around us is God. This is what we have to start practicing. God should not be an old man in the sky. That's not what God is. God has not got a big white beard sitting in the clouds. Everything that you can see right now is God. Everything, including your own face, including the, your own reflection in the mirror. And this is a very different relationship to God than what we generally get taught. That God isn't somewhere far away. How many times do we see this in Gurbani? Dur nahi mero prab pyara. It's not far away. Don't see it as far away. So the question is, how do we understand Naam Simran? What is Naam Simran supposed to be for us? How do we use it in our life? When we say Naam Simran, what we're doing is we're not getting distracted by the whole world. We're changing the way we see the whole world. The way we see the world is a constant distraction. 
There's no problem with the world really. The birds are flying, the, the trees are growing. They're all doing their own thing. They're not disturbing you in any way. But your mind is constantly getting distracted. This is what Guruji calls Maya. Maya isn't actually the world. The world isn't Maya. Your mind being distracted is Maya. Maya exists in your head. Maya is not everywhere else. Because once you convert Maya into Naam, then Guruji says, Jojo dise so tera roop. In Anansa, we say, E visansar tum dekde e harka roop hai har roop nadri aya. That the whole world that you're looking at, you're actually looking at, at Paramatma. You're actually looking at God. You should be looking at God. So, this is how we start interacting with God. This is God, this is God, this is God, this is God. There's a very beautiful story that I always like to tell. There's an old sadhu who's sitting by the side of a road and he hasn't eaten for many days. And a rich man walks by and he gives the sadhu a bit of bread, some food. The sadhu takes the bread and feeds it to a dog. The rich man looks at him and says, are you crazy? You're an old man. You haven't eaten for days. I just gave you some bread. Why don't you eat it? Why are you feeding the dog? And the rich man starts laughing at him. And the sadhu says, God is feeding God and God is laughing at God. I don't see me as hungry and the dog as hungry as two separate things. And I don't see you feeding me and me receiving your food as two different things. God is feeding God and God is laughing at God. Do you see how Nam Simran starts becoming very practical? Nam Simran is not something that you have to try and stop your mind from seeing the world and you have to start seeing God. That somehow you have to start changing the world. You just have to change the way you think of the world. The world is God. The whole universe is God. You are God. But Nam Simran stops us. Not having that Nam Simran stops us from seeing that. When we have Nam Simran, we can start to see that. So this, what I'm describing, this idea of seeing ourselves different from everything else, this is the word duality. Dubda, Dujapal. Gurbani uses this. What that means is I see me over here and I see you over there and I see us as two different things. Nam Simran breaks that duality. Nam Simran breaks that way of thinking where I'm seeing me and I'm seeing you as two different things. Nam Simran says, this is God and this is God. It breaks duality. It breaks that way of thinking so that you see everything as one. One reality. Everything is part of the one. This is God, this is God, this is God. So everywhere you look, you are seeing God. That's what Nam Simran does. And we have to be even conscious of what words we use for God. Are there certain words that are good? Are there certain words that are bad? We have to think about this. Every word that you use has a different reaction in your brain based on your own experience. Now, if I was to say the word snake to you, just notice how you feel when you start thinking about a snake, a cobra coming towards you. Doesn't feel very nice, does it? Now be aware that there's actually no snake in the room. But just by saying the word snake, it changes something inside you. So just by saying the word snake, it has an impact on you. And this is what we have to understand, that every word has its own impact based on how you understand that word. So this is why the Guru has said, use whatever name of God works for you. Just do some Nam Simran. Don't get restricted by the idea that, oh, I don't know what the word Vaiguru means, or I don't know what Paramatma works, whether that works for me or something, I don't know what those words mean. Guru Sahib says, just do some Nam Simran, do something. Do whatever Nam Simran works for you. So we have to start becoming more comfortable with words that make sense to us. 
Now you like look at the younger generation and they'll say the word Waheguru doesn't mean anything to us. That's because they haven't learned it. Now Waheguru is a very important mantra, a very powerful mantra. Yeah, we talk about Waheguru Guru Mantra hai jab koi. Just saying the word Waheguru and your ego will dissolve. But if you don't know the word Waheguru, if you go to China and you just start telling people, just start saying the word Waheguru, or you go to Russia or you go to South America, they'll say, give us something else. We don't understand this word. So Guruji, wherever Guru has gone, Guru has said, the concept of Naam Simran is what you have to understand first. You have to understand what we're talking about. Then use a mantra that works for you. So we have to get comfortable with doing Naam Simran in a way that makes sense to us. Because ultimately you connecting and seeing Paramatma everywhere is more important than which word you use. Think about Naam like keys, different chabbis. What is the purpose of a chabbi? The whole purpose of a chabbi is to unlock the door. So unlocking the door is more important than which chabbi that you used. Once you unlock the door and you go through and you open the door and then now, now imagine somebody standing on the other side and saying, yeah, but you used the wrong key. Well, it doesn't matter because the key that I used worked. You might use a different key, but the key is not important. It's the door that it opens that's important. Opening the, the lock and getting through that door is what's important. Understanding and seeing Paramatma Vaiguru everywhere is more important than which word you use to get there. So we don't need to have this elitism. We already see the other Tarams doing this. The other Tarams say, you can't be saved unless you accept Jesus Christ. You can't be saved unless you use the word Allah. If you don't accept the word Allah, then you can't be saved. And we're doing the same thing. We're saying, unless you say the word Wahiguru, you can't be saved. So we're doing the same thing as everyone else. But Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, this doesn't make sense. Guru Granth Sahib Ji gives us lots of different words, lots of different mantras. We have to understand what Naam Simran is. Because we don't understand what Naam Simran is, we're all standing here holding our key, saying, my key is the best key. Nobody knows what to do with the key. Nobody knows how, that it opens a door. Nobody knows anything about it. They just say, my key is the best key. My Guru gave me this key. But Guru has given you a key for a reason, to unlock the door. But because we're not doing that, we're just standing here polishing the key. Look at my key. It's the best one. My key is better than yours. Your key is an old one. Mine's a new one. Nobody understands what Naam Simran is trying to do. And because we don't know it, we're all sitting here, we come together and we just start clanking the keys together. And we're thinking that's going to unlock the door. We don't even know that there's a door. So what Guru is trying to do for us is to try and change the way we see the world. So everywhere, when you see the world, you see Paramatma everywhere. Otherwise, we get into the habit of just saying, oh, at least I said the word Why Guru. A lot of us, when we sneeze, we say Why Guru. At least we said it once, that's enough. That's not the meaning of Naam Simran. Naam Simran doesn't mean when you sneeze you say Waiguru and Chalo. You earn to one brownie point. You put one pound in the bank. That's not what Naam Simran is. Naam Simran is, can I see you at every moment? When I can see you at every moment, then I will be tasting your Naam. I'll be tasting the flavor of your Naam. Not just saying it. Let's take the analogy of the person that you love. When you're near the person that you love, you can say any word and that person will know that you're calling them. That love comes through in the way that you say it, not in the word that you use it. But, think about the power of words. When you're not near your beloved, when you're away from your beloved, or even if you've lost someone in your life, just saying their name, it brings back that PR. When you're away from someone that you love, and somebody says their name, your whole heart opens and you say, ah, oh, that's the person that I know. 
So Naam is very powerful. The mantra that you use is very important as well. But it has to be something that has that very personal connection to you. I might give you a name. My wife's name is Harmeet. Now, if you said the word Harmeet to me, that will have a different meaning because that's somebody that I know personally. But maybe there's a different Harmeet that you know. And that Harmeet is somebody who's done something bad to you. The same word will have a different reaction to me and the same word will have a different reaction to you. The word is just a word. Naam is just a word. But the experience of Naam is very personal. The same name, if I say, it'll mean something to me. And if you say it, you'll say, oh, I know a person called Harmeet. They're a terrible person. I don't like that person at all. And then next time you meet somebody else called Harmeet, they say, hi, my name is Harmeet. You say, oh, I don't like anybody called Harmeet because that person did this to me. So the bichara who's done nothing to you, you start giving them gali. You say, oh, I don't like anyone called Harmeet. Don't use that name in front of me. They haven't done anything. It's the other person that you're angry at. So do you see how Naam is very personal? Naam is something that you have to make a relationship with. It's something inside you. So reciting is not enough. That's the main message that I want us to take away today. Just saying a word is not enough. You have to understand the feeling of it. And you have to get so deep into Naam Simran that you have to dissolve into Naam Simran. Because one problem I will warn us, warn you all of. If you keep saying, this is God, this is God, this is God, this is God, but you never understand that this is also God. If you never understand that the one saying the Naam Simran is also God, then you create that duality all the time. God, I'm calling you. God, I'm calling you. God, I can see you everywhere. This is God, this is God, this is God. But you never take the final step to dissolve your own self into that Naam. You have to dissolve into Naam. You have to let everything go. So the one doing Naam Simran is also God. If you don't do that last step, then again you won't be able to connect because you haven't let go of everything. You're still saying, I'm calling God, I'm calling God. You have to dissolve into Naam. And there's a really simple way to help you remember that. Think of Naam as the word Na-meh. Know me. Naam the matlab, know me. Na-meh. Meh I'm not here. When you do Naam Simran, saying I'm not here, and your Naam Simran becomes I'm not here, I'm not here, all is you, all is you, that is when you will start to connect. Kabir ji says, Tu tu karta tu hua mujh me raha na By saying tu hi, tu hi, tu hi, doing Naam Simran, I dissolved, I disappeared. Tu tu karta tu hua, everything became you. Nothing was left of me. When the barrier between me and everything else dropped, then everywhere that I see, I see you. So we have to do Naam Simran, not to call God, but to dissolve into God. Naam Simran is now no longer, I'm sitting here saying, God, come to me, come to me, come to me. That's not what we're saying. God is already here. You're the only one that's not in God. You're the only one that's not dissolved in God. Na me. Naam means no me. When you do Naam Simran to say, I'm not here, this is you. This is you. The one doing Naam Simran is you then we'll start to understand what Gurbani is talking about. When the Pagats say, Jab hum hote, tab tu nahi, ab tu hi, nahi. As long as I am here, God cannot be there. While I was there, God was not there. Now God is here, I am not there anymore. So another simple thing for you to remember. As long as you exist, God is not coming. As long as you exist, God is not coming. In order to find God, you have to let yourself go, and then you'll see that everywhere is God. 
But as long as you exist, God cannot exist. So now you start to understand how am I, how am I doing my Naam Simran? What is the purpose of my Naam Simran? Is my Naam Simran me sitting here calling God? Jab hum hote tab tu nahi. As long as I am here, God cannot come to me. In order for God to come to me, I have to disappear. Na meh. Meh has to disappear. And then we start to understand Gurbani. Then we will start understanding that Naam is happening all the time. You have to do Naam Simran so that you realize that God is doing Naam Simran. Not you. Aap japaye japay so nao. Aap gawaye so har gao. You are the one singing, that's when singing happens. You are the one doing Naam Simran, that's when Naam Simran happens. You can't say, I am doing Naam Simran. If you say, I am doing Naam Simran, keep doing it. God's not coming. Because you're not taking the key and putting it in the lock. The moment you say, I am not here, I am not here doing the Naam Simran. <coughs> Paramatma is doing its own Naam Simran. Then you'll understand. Aap japaye japaisa nao. You are reciting Naam and that's why Naam is happening. So the way to connect to God is not to just call His name and expect Him to come to you. The way to connect to God is that you use Naam to dissolve into God. So I hope that that's been some help. I hope that that's been some way that I've been able to help the Sangat try to understand a little bit more about what Guruji is saying and I hope the Sangat begins to understand the sorts of parchar that the Nanak Nam charity has been set up to specialize in. We're just looking at this meditation and the deep spiritual message of Sikhi. So, Pulla Chukadikima, I hope I haven't said anything to offend everyone or anyone in the room. If I have, I really do ask for forgiveness. I belong at the feet of the Sangat and the feet of the Guru. Thank you so much for your listening to me and your support. Vaigruji ka khalsa, Vaigruji ki fateh. Ahe.